We've been going through our review of the tenant systems and their presentation of the selflessness of persons or the voidness of persons. And we have uh, already reviewed Vaibhashika and uh, we started our review of Sautrantika where we uh, saw that uh, Sautrantika goes further than Vaibhashika in refuting not only the coarse um, false me or impossible way that uh, the self exists as a static, uh, partless, uh, independently existing uh, uh, Atman or self, but uh, also it uh, refutes the subtly, uh, subtle um, self of a person. So uh, the subtle voidness of a, of a person which is that uh, uh, ourselves and others, nobody exists self-sufficiently knowable. A person, an individual, me, is an imputation on a set of uh, uh, aggregates, aggregate factors, which uh, include the uh, primary consciousness or type of consciousness, forms of uh, physical phenomenon, which would be the objects of the sensory consciousness, and uh, feeling some level of happiness, uh, distinguishing something within a, uh, a sense field, and then all the other affecting variables, the emotions and the uh, positive and negative ones, and the um, mental factors that are involved with uh, paying attention, concentrating, etc. And uh, the uh, Sautrantika makes these uh, refutations of the Course in Subtle Me, uh, uh, False Me, as a non-implicative um, negation. So, no such thing. Whereas uh, in Vaibhashika, it uh, refuted the Course uh, Subtle, uh, the Course False Me, in terms of an implicative um, negation. It's not this. It's not an Atman, basically like that. So, what I wanted to uh, discuss this evening is uh, another aspect of uh, the Sautrantika uh, teachings that uh, we didn't go into in uh, very much detail before, and it has to do with uh, categories. The uh, topic of categories is something that uh, is going to be discussed in uh, more and more uh, subtle detail as we go through the tenant systems. There are uh, two types of uh, categories. There's an audio category and an object meaning, object slash meaning category. Uh, audio categories have to do with uh, the fact that, uh, I mean, it's the sound of a word that uh, fits into this general category or set of uh, sounds, basically. So when we have a, uh, a sound of a word, no matter uh, how it's spoken, how loud, the volume, the accent, the pronunciation, anything like that, uh, we can uh, fit it into the audio category of it all being the same word. And that's how we uh, understand language. That's how language works. And audio categories are then designated with words or uh, names. Then uh, the object slash meaning category 
is a category of the objects that these audio categories or these words uh, refer to and also the meaning of the words, what the words signify. So that's referring to the same thing. So we have these two sets and uh, conceptual cognition always works with them. We uh, perceive, uh, cognize things um, in terms of uh, sounds that we hear so we can understand language and in terms of the objects that we see we can recognize all the uh, items in a uh, in the store let's say uh, the different types of fruit we can recognize all the ones as apples all the ones as pears or peaches now in uh, Vibhashika they uh, assert that uh, these categories are uh, non-static phenomenon, and they are just uh, non-congruent affecting variables, neither a form of physical phenomenon nor a way of being aware of something, just an imputation on a particular item that would uh, fit into it. But, uh, and they don't really develop, as far as I'm informed, uh, how conceptual cognition works. They have uh, their own view, since uh, these non-associated um, non-congruent affecting variables have their own defining characteristic, their own substantial entity or nature, and they are cognized by themselves. They're not cognized in an imputational form, where the basis is also cognized at the same time. That was an awful lot of words, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, in any case, it's like uh, they say, you know, here's a person, and you just uh, cognize a person. You don't have to cognize the uh, basis of it at the uh, same time. Everybody else says that uh, um, when you have a, one of these non-congruent affecting variables like a person, then you have to also cognize at the same time some basis, body, mind, even just their name, something in order to know them but uh, in uh, Sautrantika and above, these categories are static phenomenon, so-called metaphysical phenomenon. They are only known conceptually. They are not objective entities, according to the way that uh, Sautrantika divides phenomenon. And the uh, defining characteristics of the individual items that uh, would belong in, in it would all have the same similar type of defining characteristic. And the uh, defining characteristic of the category is known as a composite feature. It's a composite of all these individual um, characteristics, or characteristic features. So that's the basic idea of uh, categories. So that uh, when we perceive something, you perceive the defining characteristic and it fits into the defining characteristic, the composite feature of the category. And that way, you know, it fits into the category. So Sautrantika says that uh, we actually do, the items actually do fit into the category and the uh, um, uh, feature of the category is a basis on which uh, um, well, put it this way, the defining characteristic on the side of the object is, uh, or the item, 
there's going to be a suitable basis for the category to be imputed or set. That's going to be refuted by Chittamatra. But uh, what is the significance of all of this? The significance of this is that uh, if we work with it to realize that uh, what are the categories that we fit into of ourself? And these are, you know, many different categories. We fit ourselves into the category of male or female, man or woman, adolescent or adult, strong person, weak person, intelligent person, stupid person, employed person, unemployed person, successful person, unsuccessful person. We have all of these uh, different, uh, you know, gay, straight, um, whatever, you know, American, German, Russian. We have uh, all these different categories that uh, we fit ourselves into, and Satrantika would say that we actually do fit into them. So if we take that Satrantika premise seriously and work with it, then we uh, start to realize that uh, we tend to base our identities, our self-identities, on just one or two of these categories. And we tend to ignore the other categories that actually we fit into. And so this is the interesting thing to work with, is uh, what are the categories that we, I mean, the first step is what are the categories that we identify with? When we think of ourselves, what do we think of? You know, are we basically identifying with our gender? Are we identifying with our occupation? Are we identifying with our nationality? Are we identifying with our uh, uh, employment, our marital status, you know, mother, father? What is it that we actually identify with? And it could be a few things that we uh, identify with. So as our meditation exercise of how we work with uh, this aspect of the Sautrantika teachings, um, let's start with... Uh, this first step. There are many steps that follow. You know, I've worked out a whole meditation uh, scheme that uh, we can do based on this uh, um, Sautrantika assertion that we actually do fit into uh, certain categories, and that is true. Okay? So, the first step is to recall thinking of ourselves as fitting into a certain category and basing our whole identity on it. What is it that uh, we identify with? And it could be more than one category, but uh, often it is uh, one category is dominant. It could be the kind of person we are. It could be our role in life. It could be, as I say, uh, many, many things. Okay?
And of course, this could have changed over our lives, what we identified with as a child or as a student would be very different from what we could be very different from what we identify with now. Okay. Then the second step is to identify the disturbing emotions, destructive behaviors, and suffering you experience as a result of thinking of yourself in this limited way. For instance, being aggressive or defensive in asserting this as your identity, or being very proud and arrogant of it, and the type of behavior that that's generated and the problems that that has generated.
Okay. Then the next step is to recall being unaware that we have the defining characteristics that fit you into many categories. And try to think of all the categories that actually we do fit into and which ones we tend to deny or minimize and the problems that we might have disturbing emotions and disturbing behavior and problems we might have from denying or downplaying various categories that we objectively do fit into. Okay, then next, differentiate the categories that you accurately fit into from those that you just imagine you fit into, but what don't correspond to objective reality. And dismiss considering yourself as fitting into the inappropriate categories.
categories such as I'm not good enough, for example. Or nobody loves me. I'm somebody that nobody loves. I fit into that category. Or that nobody understands or appreciates. And then identify the disturbing emotions, destructive behaviors, and suffering you experience as a result of fitting yourself into inappropriate categories, such as someone that nobody loves or can love. So then avoiding getting into relations. The example? Identify the disturbing emotions, the destructive behaviors, and the suffering you experience as a result of fitting yourself into inappropriate categories. We think that we're this or that kind of person and then we basically condemn ourselves to acting like that. It causes a lot of unhappiness. Then think of all the categories that you accurately fit into and see that they integrate into a whole of who you are, 
other words, we include in the category of me all the defining characteristics of the categories that we fit into and exclude from that the categories that we don't fit into, that we imagine that we fit into. Okay, so that's Sautrantika from the Sautrantika point of view. That is who we are. We have all these defining characteristics that uh, fit us into these categories. And actually, I think it's quite helpful. What do you think? What's your experience or comments on this? You guys are actually the first ones that I've tried this with. Right. She says that uh, she found it, uh, I'm just repeating for the yeah. recording, that uh, it is uh, a difficult exercise because how do you know which uh, characteristics or which things are objectively so in terms of the categories that we fit into? Well, there are some that are, you know, quite clear in terms of, you know, for most of us, our gender um, are uh, nationality, the religion that we were born into, what our beliefs now are, our occupation, where we live. You know, there's certain things that are fairly straightforward for most of us, for some might not be clear. But then, you know, in terms of uh, adjectives, like I'm, uh, you know, obviously some are, are uh, relative. I'm successful or I'm a failure. These are, you know, quite relative in terms of uh, what you consider successful or a failure. I think it, uh, or intelligent or not intelligent, good looking, not good looking. They're all very relative, that's very true. But uh, I think on a comparative scale, if we think of all of humanity, if one can think in terms of that, we get a general idea. You know, there's always those who are more intelligent or less intelligent, you know, better looking, worse looking, more successful, less successful, that's always the case. So I think it's just relatively speaking. But we don't have to work with these adjectives. We can also work with, uh, you know, just basic facts about ourselves. 
Am I a man? Am I a woman? Am I transsexual? Am I, you know, gay, straight? Am I German, American? Was I born into this religion or that religion? What do I follow now? Where do I live? Do I live where I was born? Do I live somewhere else? Am I an expat? Well, they're categories that we're told that we belong to, but uh, some of them, I mean, let's not get into the um, higher tenant systems discussion of categories. If we're, I mean, we're just working with the Sautrantika, the basic uh, idea of categories that um, I am the son of my parents. I mean, that's, that's pretty objective. Yeah. You know, I was born into this family or I was adopted by this family. Mm-hmm. You know, I had this type of education. I mean, these are, you know, I hold this type of job. I live in this place. I was born in this place and that place. These are fairly objective. Mm. I just find those different than saying, for example, I'm German or I'm a man because there's certain associations that come with those categories versus saying I'm a I'm someone's child. You know, that's more of like a mathematical thing for me where it's like one plus one equals two. Whereas like Right. So she's saying that uh there you know, I'm somebody's child is objective, like uh, just a fact. One plus one is two, whereas other things like I'm German or American or a man or a woman has certain associations with it that are uh, part of that uh, category. I mean, then we get into the whole discussion of what is the defining characteristic of a category. I mean, this becomes clear to me if we're, if the premise is that we're dealing with conventional reality. We are definitely um, dealing with conventional so reality. If that's the premise, then this, this exercise makes more sense to me. Right. Yeah. No, I'm sorry if I didn't make that yeah. clear. You know, that's why, yeah, I guess I didn't make that terribly clear, but it, I'm, we're doing this on a Sautrantika level, which believes in objective reality. And the categories are metaphysical, just in the sense that they don't exist somewhere out there. But uh, objective facts are a sort of external reality, according to Sautrantika, which is why you know, Chittamatra freaks out about that and, and refutes that. also interesting if we just like I found it important not only like usually we just uh, check some um, categories which to which we like we cannot don't, don't fit uh, but if we just reject for example I'm not uh, I'm not uh, I don't know Not a businessman. I'm not uh, like some something. Right. And, and it's also important to like then to kind of reconstruct it and find uh, other c- categories to to which I belong. 
Right. You can reject certain categories that we don't belong to. And from that, well, this is the definition of a category. It's the exclusion of everything that doesn't fit into it. So we exclude things and then we see what we do believe, uh, fit into. But what I skipped in this, which I uh, was thinking of, is uh, what are the categories that we do objectively belong to, but which we deny? I think I mentioned that, actually. You know, it could be, for instance, that uh, we uh, belong to a certain family. But then we downplay that, we ignore that. It's as if we don't come from any sort of family or I have a certain cultural heritage from my family or a certain religious heritage from my family and then we reject that. So I think even, even on this level of like objective categories, we have freedom to what categories to pay attention to. We do. I mean, some categories are more important than others. We have freedom to emphasize one over another, but there's a difference between emphasizing and identifying with it. Identifying with it means that, you know, we're solidly this and we're nothing else. And then we get, as I say, uh, you can become very defensive about it. You can become very militant and assertive about it. And that may cause a lot of, uh, you know, impulsive behavior, compulsive behavior that then produces problems. But I think that final step in this uh, phase of the exercise, I mean, there's another phase of the exercise of uh, trying to integrate all of these uh, aspects. You know, because then this brings in this whole uh, element of uh, loyalty, which comes from this uh, contextual therapy business that uh, are we can we be loyal to all of these uh, various things? Or is there, in rejecting it, we tend to be loyal to uh, some negative aspect of it? In other words, try to find some positive aspect of each of these various elements. That's part of this whole exercise thing that uh, I developed of in integrating the various aspects of our life. But these categories that we do actually objectively fit into, need to be integrated. Some can be more important than others, and it certainly will change in different part times of our life. When we're a child, being the, ch the son or daughter of our parents is far more important, and a member of a family is far more important than perhaps later in our life. Maybe not. For some people, being a member of their family is the most important thing. And for others, it takes, uh, you know, not even a secondary place, but, uh, you know, even further back in uh, importance. And when we deny that we come from a certain family, that can produce uh, unconscious uh, sources of problems. might be a little bit of uh, this kind of concept of Jung, it's a shadow, you know, which you uh -huh. like project outside, and then you know, like you're constantly somehow fighting with your shadow, 
Right. That also is another way of that is another way of uh, looking at it in terms of Jungian shadow. When we deny things uh, in ourselves, we tend to project it and then see that as threatening us. Certainly. That's me, and that's not me. But actually, it is part of you. Right. You try to push it out. No. Right. No, you get you get problems. Right. Yeah, we don't have to look at it as categories. We're just using the uh, idea of categories because we're looking at the Sautrantika presentation of it. But uh, these basic ideas we can formulate in many different systems. I mean, remember, the main, one of the main things that we're trying to do here is to see the usefulness and application of these tenet, of the, the tennis systems that they're not just dry, intellectual, you know, difficult uh, philosophical schemes. But they actually offer some very, very useful ways of uh, uh, developing ourselves and overcoming problems. And each of the tenet systems, of course, is more and more sophisticated and they refute the previous ones, but nevertheless, each of them if we get into it, has very, very uh, many beneficial aspects that we can work with. And to work with them, we have to suspend our critical um, analysis of them and refutation of them from the point of view of the higher systems. Just accept what uh, this system says and work with it, see what what uh, benefit it brings. And as we work with Chittamatra, Svatantrika, Prasangika, we will refine uh, this whole idea of uh, categories and what do we fit into and do we really fit into them and so on. And are they relative and all of that. That comes later. Anyone else? No, yes, I can understand that it's useful to be more conscious about your own thoughts and about the own picture of yourself. And it's anytime good and grounding to make something clear and to ask behind, do I think about myself like that? What categories I have to offer myself and I put myself in and to ask, is this right or not? And even I miss a bit of point to... Um, put this positive force what we also use if we meditate it's not only uh, aspect to neutral to look at me it's uh, for me it's basic to look with a what do you say with a loving eye on myself so right. something to this is an important thing which I must know it's not a technical right thing. well the attitude she's saying that it's very helpful to differentiate these things uh, within ourselves to see more clearly. And I would add to that to discriminate, to, to differentiate between what are the categories that we actually do fit into and what are the ones that we don't fit into but we imagine we fit into. And uh, that can cause various problems. But then developing loving kindness and compassion and so on for ourselves, that comes in the second phase of the exercise. But I wanted to take a break here at, at, uh, at this point.
Yeah, I found something out if I look in my categories that even if I look back in my life, many come, many categories appear from the things uh, which I'm working in. So mm -hmm. identity comes up with my working fields and the right. tasks in life and some are like I thought maybe heard and behind what is the picture of myself, how I relate to myself, so more aspects of mental uh, hmm. aspects of feelings. And right, well we do have to differentiate between you know, what is my self-image, you know, what, what do I think of myself and uh, well, I mean with Chittimacha we'll get into, you know, what do others think of me and uh, is that accurate? You know, and is it is anything accurate in terms of what I think of myself? But uh, I think there we can differentiate. Maybe I don't know. Can you differentiate three things? You know, what I think of myself, what others think of me, and objectively, what are you know? Who am I? You know, what are my characteristics? Now, of course, those, those will overlap. But here we're looking at just, you know, um, what is objective? It's Chittimatra that we'll look at, and what is subjective? What do you think? So certainly, you know, what work we're involved with, what actually our employment is, what our marital situation or partner situation is. Are we in a relationship? Are we not in a relationship? Are we an old person or a young person? This was an interesting thing that, you know, I was thinking about with relation to myself. You know, objectively, being 74, I'm an old person. But do I identify with that or do I deny that or ignore it? You know, I mean, this is what I, you know, how oneself relates to it, how others, you know, I can't imagine, you know, other, how others look at me in terms of my age. And then what is objective reality? So that's the kind of example that I'm thinking of. Are you employed or unemployed? That's clear. society I feel like and there's hierarchies mm -hmm. I think that asking that question for certain people matters more in a certain way than it does for other people you know I think it can also um, right the importance yeah. that we give to each of the categories is certainly 
different, you know, what each person would would give to the well, important. Even what society gives. And what society gives. Yeah, yeah. Well, here we're dealing with what we give. Yeah. Well, what is... Like I'm trying to say... In integra- you know, there are... There's the general set of categories, right, that uh, we are, that are given, not given, but that are objective in our life. So these, I think, are important to recognize. From Sauchansko's point of view, we have the defining characteristics that fit us into all of them. Now, how we regard them, what importance we give to them, then we get into the, you know... Um, mental factor of distinguishing. Which one do we pay attention to? Which one do we distinguish from all the other ones and make it more important? And then the disturbing emotion could come in in which we exaggerate the importance of this particular feature and then get attached to it and then ignore the other ones. So there's a difference, I think, between doing that and considering one, more, uh, one of these factors more important or relevant in this particular situation or in that particular situation. You know, like uh, when I go to my um, CrossFit physical training, it's inappropriate to start to think in terms of my profession. Where I come from, you just think in terms of your level of physical fitness. So there, that's important and relevant. But in other situations, it's not. So... You know, dependent arising in terms of what is relevant that you emphasize and is more important in this situation or that situation. Now, that's different from when you're just sitting by yourself and contemplating what is the most important characteristic. Now, of course, His Holiness the Dalai Lama would say, you know, that we're all human and these other things are secondary. And that's very true. But conventionally, on a relative level, how do we deal with all these different facts about our life? These are basic facts. And then we need to analyze, you know, why is this aspect more important than other aspects? Why do I make it more important than other aspects? That can be a very interesting thing to think about. I have one idea I said in compliance with what you said about age, that often what is also a source of suffering is that you fit it into a category for a while and then you fall out of it. Like you are young and then you grow old. But you still identify you're young and then you grow old, but you still identify with putting yourself in the young category. Right. So 
Well, yes. I mean, the category is static, but you are no longer in certain categories like young. I mean, the one that is most uh, difficult is uh, I'm in a relationship or I'm married and the relationship ends or the person dies. And it's very difficult to stop thinking of yourself in terms of the category a couple. And it's only when you actually expand the basis, I mean, as I usually explain, explain it, you know, expand the basis of imputation of me to further in your life. You have to have other experiences as being a single person after that, that then uh, you can stop identifying with still being a couple. I mean, that's especially true if, uh, you know, Couples have been married, let's say, for 25, 30, 40, 50 years, and then one of them dies. It's very, very difficult. And at least in Germany, for a lot of people, it's difficult to retire. Yes, and also it's very difficult to retire if you've been in a profession for all your life. And then what? And that's why you have to build up more and more experience so that that becomes a basis of imputation of you know, defining characteristic can fit into the new category of retired person. And many people are afraid of uh, fitting into a new category. All of that's involved with this whole discussion of categories and defining characteristics that fit you into a category. On Hina's point, I think you said you didn't want to go there, but what defines a category? Because, for example, for, I won't get political, but for the whole gender issue, there's been so many new categories coming up lately, you know, like intersexual, and all that was there before, but now it's cross-dressing, and I, I don't know, all these super, so, super many words for all types of identity. Right, I mean, absolutely, if we think in terms of sexual uh, aspects and gender aspects, I mean, there's so many categories that uh, never were considered categories before of queer gender uh, gender fluid um, you know intersex uh, etc so there can be new categories that's true and subcategories and all of that but I mean I think that what is What's the whole point of this? The whole point of this is to identify sources of suffering and try to eliminate them. And the source of suffering is when you solidly identify with just one category and then become very defensive about it or militant asserting it because you're insecure. And then it's a very uncomfortable state. You know, I mean, the point is to be comfortable with the categories that you fit into. Now, which ones you're going to emphasize in which situation that is, you know, that develops, that's dependent on your, you know, skillful means, your, your sensitivity to what's appropriate and what's inappropriate. You know, when you're with your family and, you know, your family doesn't actually um, approve or like your 
religious beliefs or your sexual orientation or whatever, you don't emphasize it. It'll cause conflict. You don't deny it, but you don't, you know, rub it in their face, for instance. You're only going to be there for a short visit. If you're actually living with them, that's another situation. So everything is relative to the situation. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you just reminded me of like a real life example in terms of like when one is protecting their identity, they can become militant. Right. Um, but there's a difference between, I feel like, protecting um, something that comes from a place of a negative place and protecting something because you want to preserve something. Like one example that I feel like is, is controversial for people is uh, like the Black Panthers. Mm -hmm. So that's like an example of like for some people, they were a militant group. Mm -hmm. And for many others, they were they were a, a peaceful community folk that were basically the after effects of slavery in America. And mm -hmm. they were protecting and preserving a culture mm -hmm. while the government was basically trying to kill them, right? So it's like this example of like, and they were, they were very much about identity and like, Right. Right. So it's like also, it just, it just reminded okay, me. Okay, well, that's a good example. So. She brings up the example of the Black Panthers. Black Panthers, uh, to some people, the, that identity implied being a terrorist. Um, for the people who were in it, maybe, you know, some were militant, some were not. But uh, for them, it was a way of preserving and protecting their heritage uh, as a... Uh, aftermath of the whole slavery uh, situation. Mm -hmm. So then, as I say, we get into the Chittimatra level, where we talk about, uh, is, there, um, is there actually a defining characteristic in there that people can uh, um, throw onto it, this or that judgment? You know, but we'll get to that. So the point being that just because others consider it terrorist doesn't make it terrorist. So then we want to look at, well, what is the founding principle of it? Mm -hmm. Or just the fact that I am a Black Panther. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a Black Panther, period. You don't have to have any association with it. Except, you know, perhaps loyalty to that... Uh, you know, to what the Black Panthers stand for. And then, as I was saying with the loyalty issue, are you going to be loyal to the positive aspects or to the negative aspects? Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to be loyal to, if you're a Christian, to, you know, the principles of love and forgiveness? Or are you going to uh, be loyal to the uh, principles, of, the negative principles of uh, inquisition and crusade? Which ones are you going to be loyal to? So each identity, I mean, each category is going to have positive and negative aspects. This is where the loyalty issue comes in. What do you want to integrate? Positive aspects or the negative aspects? And this is what contextual therapy brings up, is that if you're not 
loyal to the positive aspects, you tend to unconsciously be loyal to the negative one. So it's important to acknowledge, you know, what are the positive aspects of your family heritage, of your family's religion heritage, of your national heritage, and so on, even if you consider them very unimportant. Because unconsciously, you may start to be loyal to the negative aspects, especially if you feel negative toward them and reject them. There's this theory that the Germans go back to being so very nationalistic and also even narcissistic, and narcissism, like these right-wing groups coming back, because Germans were forced to be completely unaware of their national identity for such a long time. They were not allowed to right. show the flag or be uh, proud of being German. Right. So there's a theory that reinforces their... Right. This fits in perfectly with the whole situation in Germany that for so long after the Second World War, you couldn't uh, wave a German flag. You couldn't be proud of being German. You couldn't, uh, I mean, the people in Germany, uh, none of this uh, national pride was allowed. And so as a um, consequence of that, then you have the rise of neo-Nazism and, you know, the far right and the supranationalism, which is... True, which is true. I mean, this is the, you know, the same analysis is uh, uh, given in terms of, uh, uh, what is the word, uh, radicalization and how you uh, can avoid radicalization if you have an uh, immigrant group, whether we're talking about from the Middle East or from uh, Latin America, and if they're not allowed to be uh, loyal to, you know, the positive aspects of their heritage, then they're going to be loyal to the negative ones, unconsciously. You know, and this is the whole real, you know, major issue is how do you balance when you want to integrate an immigrant uh, community into your uh, country? How do you balance loyalty to the um, new country and loyalty to their heritage? And you have to allow for both which is this same principle. Now you belong to both categories. You fit into both categories. How do you integrate them? Now, it's an interesting question. Are there categories that clash? And if they do on the surface, I mean, let's give an, what can we, what can be an example? Pardon? A kid of divorced parents, they cannot be loyal to, you know, that's always a big issue. You know, to be, try to be loyal to both categories being. Right. That no, that's a very good example with you when you are a child of uh, divorced parents who fight with each other and uh, hate each other and say horrible things about each other. How can you be loyal to both? Well, you could be loyal in a negative way of then hating both of them. Or you could try, you know, within your own mental sphere to see what were the good qualities of both. What are the good qualities of both? But then that's very, very difficult, especially if you're a child.
when these are often issues that are going to cause problems, you know, when you grow up. And then, you know, try to deal with it. So here, in working with this exercise, I would try to not have judgments about the various categories, but just deal with basic facts. And if categories that deal with adjectives are too difficult, don't deal with them. You know, because that, you're right, they are very relative. Good-looking, bad-looking, you know, ugly, smart, dumb. These are very, very relative. Successful, failure. I think the best way to work with those is that, uh, you know, as it says in the teachings, there's always somebody higher on the scale and somebody lower on the scale. Always somebody better than you and worse than you. We're not the you know, most horrible or most wonderful of you know, everybody in the universe. Anyway, the, we don't have too much time, but just to introduce what the uh, uh, second phase of this exercise is, is like what we were doing with the other exercises, which is basically uh, donglen, giving and taking. First with ourselves, having this, having recognized the problems that we have from fitting ourselves into inappropriate categories or overemphasizing one and ignoring others, etc., that uh, then we have that uh, determination to be free from it, which is basically compassion for ourselves, and then uh, do this donglen with ourselves of take away from ourselves this, you know, misconception, this. Uh, difficulty in uh, dealing with ourselves and give ourselves a correct understanding. And then after that, to do the Donglen with others, to think of others who have the same type of problem. We can think of individual people that we know in our life that uh, tend to be imbalanced in terms of uh, the categories that they fit in and how they deal with them. And with compassion for them, likewise, take from them this misunderstanding and give them a correct understanding. That would be the uh, second phase of this exercise in the full form of it. So we can try it uh, shortly just uh, with ourselves. I mean, ultimately, what we want to be is more balanced. With our heritage and with our present situation.
and then switch it to others with compassion. Others who might have the same problems. Okay, another thing that uh, I was thinking of is that uh, if objectively we fit into the category of uh, failure, let's say somebody who has lost their, has been fired several times from their jobs or, you know, things have never worked out and so on, and we fit into that category, then what you had said about uh, sometimes we uh, fit in the category of young person, but then as we get older, we no longer fit in that category to realize that uh, we're not permanently in these categories. You know, that gets into more sophisticated tennis systems, you know, that we don't inherently belong to this or that category, especially when it has to do with, uh, you know, non factual things. I mean, you can change your sex, so then you're no longer this sex or the other sex. But that doesn't deny the fact of what sex you were born as, for example. But uh, and the same thing, I might have been a failure, but I can be a success. You know, I might have not been able to hold down a job, but then I could hold down a job. Yeah. Um, it's quite obvious, you know, that this um, categories change during one's life. So what what does sort I mean and also South Tantrika I think they should be aware of this. But what, what? South Tantrika, so this yeah. school. So what 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 do they say, you know, if you change your category, how do they explain this? Because it's quite obvious that it happens in reality, you know. But what, what do they say? What, what's going on if you make this kind of Well, changes? what does the South Trantica say if you change uh, categories? I think that... Uh, well, I've not actually seen any discussion of that, but let's say if you have the defining characteristic of being... I mean, there's a difference, and maybe I'm not terribly clear on this, 
of uh, qualities and defining characteristics. Mm -hmm. Qualities get into these adjectives and maybe it's not the same. Maybe uh, I've been incorrect on that. I would have to check that. Qualities could be young, old, mm -hmm. uh, successful, failure, all these relative things that uh, you were discussing. And maybe that's quite different from a defining characteristic as uh, um, having been born German in, a, you know, in Germany or having been born in America mm. or having been born you know, male or female or intersex. So, so, so they, would, they would say that there are some like, qualities which are like, constant and some are not well, not that qualities are constant. I mean, there are certain, like, uh, in the list of non-congruent affecting variables, there are certain things, like gender is there. So that's more factual. I would think things like blind or, um, you know, with a uh, birth defect, something like that. I mean, those are factual. Qualities are, well, the grossest ones are good, bad, these type of uh, qualities but also on the scale of intelligent or unintelligent, good-looking, bad-looking. Um, honest, dishonest, you know, I mean, all these sort of uh, things, sincere, insincere. These are qualities. And those are relative. Those are relative. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, a distinction that's there. Tall, short, even that is relative to, you know, other people. You know, my family followed this or that religion. That's sort of a, a fact. Can we say that the life and death is also a category? And life, well, are you alive or are you dead? Are those categories? <laughs> um, when thinking about other people, yes. You can think about your dead mother or your live mother. And they're in a different category. What I mean, can we say that maybe we fear of death because we very solidly identify with the category of life? Can we say that? Um, sure. That we're afraid of death because we, well, we identify with being a healthy, live person. And we don't want to stop being that. We don't want to... Pardon? To leave that category. To be excluded from that category. I mean, it's an interesting 
thing, you know, are there categories that we are afraid of being excluded from, that we belong to? We don't want to be kicked out of that category. Excommunicated. <laughs> or for adolescents, that's probably their groups they belong to, that's so important to them. Right. Well, the category of student, for example, a lot of people are afraid of leaving that category or the category of young person and now becoming an adult. They're afraid of that. Or especially, you know, um, in a relationship with single and married, they don't want to be in the category of married. A lot of people. So then, right, they're together for eight years, and then after two weeks of being married, they get divorced. So, <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, you know, when you start to delve deeper into this whole topic of categories and our attitude toward categories, let alone get into the whole topic of the reality of categories. That's going deeper, but uh, we're dealing now just on the grossest level of categories. Okay, so that winds up Sautrantika, uh, and I just wanted to try to indicate some of the areas within the Sautrantika tenets that actually can give us a great deal of food for thought and material to work with and get deeper and deeper insights into ourselves and into others. Because uh, this whole issue faces, you know, other people deal with it uh, very much, very much so. And it's with Chittamatra that we get into the whole issue of, you know, when other people put us into categories <laughs> and how we deal with that. But uh, for that, we have to go a little bit deeper. So let's end with the dedication. We think whatever understanding, whatever positive forces come from that. May it go deeper and deeper and act as a cause for everyone to reach the enlightened state of a Buddha for the benefit of all.